Hi, I'm Jennifer Wilde, and you're listening to Sober Exposure. If it's about recovery, we're going to cover it. It's like one big therapy session, but it's free. So thanks for joining our dysfunctional family as we uncover recovery with Sober Exposure. Let's go. Welcome, Sober Exposure. I'm Jennifer Wild, and I have invited Elizabeth Statlander onto the show today. And I, I just want to I want to intro you here uh, because first of all, she's wearing my dress, the infamous Led Zeppelin dress, Jennifer Wild Led Zeppelin dress, and that's how I knew that she and I were going to get along. Yeah, I was hoping you'd well. wear yours today too. So, but I I, I could have texted you and I didn't. I just wanted to see if it would happen naturally. Well, yes. Yeah. Oh, that wouldn't that be the universe? That would wouldn't be that the be? universe. Yeah. I know, man. <laughs> well, Elizabeth, first of all, because a lot of my listeners are rock and rollers, because that that I was a rock and roll DJ for. We were just talking about all that. So, uh, Elizabeth plays the drums like John friggin' Bonham, man. <laughs> I don't know if I'm I've, not good. <laughs> oh man, I've seen you beat those skins. Like she's a therapist, so educated. Plays the drums like Neil Peart, John Bonham, whatever. <laughs> Who's your favorite drummer? John Bonham. Actually, yeah. John Bonham. But my favorite drummer, favorite, favorite is my brother, Carrie, who is an incredible drummer. It's like in my family. And honestly, he's he's on par with somebody like Bonham. He really, really? is. Yeah. Damn. I'll tell you the next time he plays out so you can come check him out. Yeah, I would love to. I, I got to like, there is nothing sexier than seeing like a, a hot chick banging the skins, you know? <laughs> like, I'm so jealous of that. I, I just have like, I have no rhythm at all. I'm like, you could come you know? down and, and have a lesson or actually my brother's drum sets closer. I mean, he's, yeah. he's oh, yeah, in he PGA. I, I want to learn. I want to learn. I want to learn. It's fine. So yes, that's that's definitely uh, in the cards for me. Part of my uh, bucket list in sobriety. I took one drum class because I, I love it, but I was, Terrible. You got to give it, you got to give it time. Progress, not perfection. So, all right, fix us all. We are all fucked up here at Sober Exposure. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times we just have people telling their stories, how they got out of their alcoholism, um, all different ways, whether it's AA, Reiki, crystals, uh, it, it doesn't matter. I don't discriminate. I don't care. Um, now, I was looking at your Facebook page and there was something that I loved because a lot of times I do talk, I sometimes I talk about how therapists don't always give you the best advice sometimes. Yeah, but that's true. I mean, yeah. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, and especially when it comes to like alcoholism and addiction, I had um, someone on last week and she was like, well, my therapist said, if you could stop for two weeks, then you're not an alcoholic. Uh, it, Anyway. Yeah, no, I don't agree with that, but, but <laughs> there's that. a lot of, I mean, unfortunately there's not a ton of talent in my fields. I mean, I wish I could say that there was, uh, but there's not. Yeah, no, so. I, abs no, absolutely. I mean, I, uh, my therapy, we do all kinds of woo woo shit. You know, we do like meditation and <laughs> I do that. I projection. Love yeah. That's what works for me, but whatever works now you proclaimed as the rebellious therapist. Yes. What does that mean? I love it. Well, basically what it means is that I'm not a therapist that just buys the 
the party line or the, the BS a lot of times that they try to force on you in training and in school. And I loved grad school and I, you know, and I respect our, our ethics, but I don't agree with a lot of them. And I want my clients to come into my office and swear. And if they, if they need to talk, they can call me and I'll try and get back to them. And I don't necessarily follow um, all of the old traditional, you know, I guess, ethics and boundaries of traditional psychotherapy. I don't think that they're, I think they're outdated. I think that um, they also have a way of making people feel very judged. And um, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have that ever in my office. And so I do things very differently. And if you were a therapist, I don't think people would necessarily see me as rebellious, but people, but other therapists would probably think maybe this Elizabeth. What's she doing? That's not protocol. They don't say that in the books. Right. That's right. They would have a problem with it. And I don't, that's cool. You know, I do what works for me and that's okay. If you could say the F word and you're good with that, then oh, you belong yeah. here. We do a lot Absolutely. of that too. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I tell people I swear a lot. I tell mm-hmm. them in my first session, I hope you don't mind. <laughs> and you can swear too. Yeah. And when you say sex, you don't have to whisper it. You know, some people like, oh my God. You know, like, come on guys. Like, you know, I'm, I'm 46. I'm not a virgin. You can say the word sex. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. I know. Well, sometimes it's true. Sometimes I do go to my, sometimes I admit this, I'm guilty of it. Sometimes I am a little shameful when I go to my therapist and I don't want to tell her things That's sometimes, right. you know, and you can't do that because like, okay, so I'm paying her but I'm afraid to tell her, yeah, I was a slut. I slept with this guy in the first date and now I have an itchy vagina. No, <laughs> you know, whatever. But, but <laughs> you make a good point because anytime I ever went to therapy personally in my life, I never felt that comfortable being completely honest with my therapist. So I knew when I became a therapist that I wanted to create an environment where people could say that to me. And we could have a laugh about it and then say, okay, what do we learn from this experience? You know, what does this mean for you in your life? You know, and, and be able to talk about it and just say everything, because if you can't do that, you're not having good therapy. You're not having authentic therapy. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, if you're afraid of your therapist, I've also had this because I've had Listen, I've been in therapy since I was like 10. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I've had, I've had so many therapists and, um, I've, I've had, also because of my drug and alcohol background, I've been in, in rehab over 40 times. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> um, and like one of, she, she was maybe one of the best therapists, but also one of the worst, but I was terrified of her. Uh-huh. And I think for sobriety, that was kind of good, but yeah. um, she, she was, she was so intimidating and so scary. Um, but, you know, she got a lot of, a lot of people sober. So, you know, there's yeah. gotta be but the tough love, I don't know. So that's a, what I really, really want to put under the microscope today with you because okay. I saw something that really caught my eye that is so important, like something that's not really talked about. Mm-hmm. So many people call me up and I have a friend that she's having an issue with her husband and he's he's very successful. They're extremely wealthy, like ridiculous nanny nannies and mm-hmm. five houses and, and that that type of deal. Mm-hmm. But he's an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. The thing is, because he is so like powerful, influential, and because he gets up every morning for work, he can't see it. So 
somebody like me, there, there's no questioning whether I'm an addict or not. I mean, I'm a full blown friggin' addict. There's, there's no way around it. So you were talking about the functioning alcoholic mm -hmm. and that's something that needs to be talked about. How do we help the functioning alcoholic? Well, it's very difficult because like you said, they kind of slip under the radar because they can function. Cause when we're looking to at people to sort of observe, okay, is this person an addict or not an addict? We tend to look at the three D's in, in, in my world, we look at danger, disability, dysfunction. So mm. we, we kind of look for that in any mental health issue, but especially with addiction, when, like you said, when it's clear, it's clear. But the functional addict of any kind isn't so clear because you said, well, you know, they don't drink every night. They show up for work. Uh, they pay their bills. They're successful. Um, and usually where you the functional addict really presents itself is in relationships. Mm. Absolutely. So, like this girl calling me saying, you know, he's a, he's a freaking asshole. What the fuck do I do? Man? Sure, you know, sure. And, he's, he's a, and absolutely. Yeah. So how would you say, how, how, how do you do that? How do you approach this? What if you're, if you see this, uh, your loved one, your loved one is a functioning alcoholic treating everybody like shit, um, miserable inside, but can't see it. What, what do you do? Hmm. Well, first step that I would recommend is consult with a therapist first, a good one. You know, it, it doesn't have to be me, but I'd love it to be, but someone who's competent and bounce some ideas off of the therapist to that, you know, that's competent, knows what they're doing to kind of see, you know, how this is affecting you and to really understand the scope of the problem and understand that if you're with an addict, um, you're playing some role in that too. So we need to look at, you know, what is your role in this? Uh, are you enabling? Are you covering up? Are you, what's, what's going on there? And then I think you have to approach your partner and approach them, not in an attacking way, but in a way that is like your, your drinking or your, uh, drugs or whatever is now affecting me in my life and our relationship. And I'm not going to stand for it. And so you have to be tough with people who are using, as you know, mm. you, you, uh, yeah. you really do. And you have to, you have to be ready to draw that line in the sand. So sometimes when people come to me just for that, I'll say, maybe we need a couple sessions to get you strong enough. And to the point where you really understand what's going on and you're really ready to draw that line. And sometimes it works out really well, but usually people have to be threatened to get help. So usually the husband or the wife has to say, I'm leaving if you don't go see Elizabeth with me, or I'm leaving if you don't get help. Yeah. And oftentimes that's, you try the nice approach first, you might get lucky, you know, one in 20 might get lucky and the other 19 are going to have a harder time. It's not easy at all. So threatening is okay. Threatening, threatening is, okay. is okay. Okay. My friends. And yes, it is. There's no other way you're going to get it. You know, when you're addicted, as you know, when someone's addicted to something, most of the time mm -hmm. they're not thinking clearly and they, they are very wrapped up in themselves and their addiction. So they, they're not really paying attention to how other people are being affected. And so sometimes you have to put it in their face. Yeah. 
Yes. So ultimatums, ultimatums. Okay. Yeah. Ultimatums sometimes oftentimes are the only way to get somebody who is addicted to whatever to get help. So I'm just going to be completely honest. We had, okay. So my cleaning lady's here and she was, she was vacuuming and my significant other was pissing me off uh-huh. and I flew off the handle. I went crazy. I did. So let's just get deep here. Okay. When you saw that, uh-huh. do you see like an alcoholic, not in recovery that needs like, because you're also a relationship therapist. I'm just yeah. curious what your take on all that was. Am I, am I a total con? Cause I was freaking <laughs> out on him. It's okay. I think you're, you're, you know, maybe your approach could be a little softer with him because it's a little dominating. <laughs> you know, that's, you nailed it. That would that's be my relationship. <laughs> I'm the dominatrix. I have him, I have him on the bed. I'm whipping him. I have him feeding you know. me grapes, you know, <laughs> I am the dominatrix, but, um, okay. Yeah. That, that was just interesting. So that's a whole other show is yeah, the dry that's another drunk. show, which we can do anytime. The dry drunk. Yeah. I feel like I'm a dry drunk right now because I just went crazy and everybody at sober exposure got to, uh, well, maybe, maybe we'll play that B roll when I'm yelling at them. I think that'd be great. That'd be great. That'd be a great show. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, all right. So basically what we're doing is we're going to go back to the functioning alcoholic. So what are some, like, what would you say if somebody is kind of in the middle and they're like, I don't know if I should get involved. I don't know. So this, I think, is more about the the codependent mm-hmm. than the alcoholic here. Mm-hmm. You know, so ultimatum. That's okay. I'm leaving mm-hmm. you if. But before that happens, mm-hmm. and you want to take a softer approach first, let's step back. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Just sit him down. And I mean, I, I'm an alcoholic, and I'm a drunk. So tell me first, and then I'm going to see how I would react when I'm in active addiction, what that would do. Yeah. So, um, you have to sit down and talk to your partner like you would about any issue that was facing your relationship and make it serious and say, you know, this is really hurting me. This is hurting me. What you are doing is hurting me. It's hurting the kids. It's hurting you know, the whole family, you know, something has got to change. Yeah. The ultimatum is going to, you know, because what, what happens is we're, when we're in our active addiction, we don't give a fuck. No. And you deny it. They deny it. Yeah. We don't care. I don't care. God bless my mother. I mean, this this is like the saddest story. And I just, I want to, there's just nothing. My mother passed away and like, at the end of her life, I was in a bad relapse. I was in I severe active addiction. And it was like four o'clock in the morning and my mother had asthma and she died very close after this. And I was like, fuck you. I'm going to go where I got to go to do what I got to do. And she's crying and she's running after me um, in, in her condo uh, development and, and she can't breathe. And it's four in the morning. She's like, Sid, please, I can't breathe. Please don't do this. I can't breathe. I'm going to die fuck you. I don't care. Fuck you. I don't care. You know? And at the end of the day, like I have the chills, but at the end of the day, that's, you know, the depths of where my addiction took me, you know? So yeah. And you're not alone in that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I have to do a lot of um, 
self-forgiveness work yeah. with my therapist because, yeah. you know, so well, to say, you know, moms understand, I think I'm a big believer in, uh, life after death. It's a huge, it's a huge thing for me. And I believe that when people cross over, they see things from a very different perspective. And so I think that, you know, you're seeing it through your human perspective of what you did, but I think your mom's not really seeing it that way. You know, she's understanding that, you, you know, you, you have, you have trouble with some very, yeah. a lot of trouble with this certain, but I mean, yeah. it looks like you're doing great. I hate this fucking disease. I hate it. I mean, it's a miracle that I'm standing up and that I'm alive. It's a miracle because I am not, a, like I said, not one of those functioning alcoholic or addicts. I, I was a full-blown alcoholic at 17, mm -hmm. struggled my whole life. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, it's a constant, it's, it's, it's a daily reprieve. Yeah. I think, sobriety. I think, um, probably doing this show is very healing for you. Absolutely. I because, mean, that's why I do it. I'm not yeah. doing this for the money. That's for sure. No, I always tell people <laughs> right. I don't do mine either for money. I do it for the love of it. You have to love yeah. it, you know, yeah. but it does heal you. I mean, it does. The fact that you can be so there's not a lot of people who can be as, you know, transparent and real as you. And I think that that in itself is a gift and it's very healing for other people to see it. Well, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if one person's listening to this and we're helping one person, then, you know, it was a good day, really, you know, and there are like my girlfriend when it was like, I saw the functioning alcoholic program that you were working on the same day that my girlfriend called me. And I'm glad that you're giving me or that you're giving us what, what you said about the ultimatum and everything, because that was my advice to her as well. But I mean, I am not obviously anything close to a therapist. I've just been to so many therapists in my life. And um, yeah, you're an honorary therapist, but it, it, yeah. it, it takes a lot of, it's not easy for the, it's, it's not easy and it's not really fair for the person in the relationship, but it's the, it's life. Life isn't fair. And, you know, when you're in these situations, you have to do what's best for yourself and your family. And it's hard to even imagine losing this person or losing your life. But the bottom line is you're going to have to, unless you want to live like this. So, you know, you, you can stand on your head and jump up and down and scream and, and do interventions and whatever the hell you want to do. But at the end of the day, the thing that usually makes the addict move is consequence, right? You got to hit something you're going to lose something that really means something to you. And even that sometimes doesn't, doesn't matter. You know, yeah. um, there, you know, there are people out there that just love doing their drug and they function on it or that, you know, whatever. And, and that's the way they choose to live their life. And, um, it's sad, but you know, it, it is what it is, but you can't, but the person, the, the other person in the relationship does not have to tolerate it. Does you not know, have to don't. tolerate it now. And, you know, and I've been in that situation before Yeah. and, um, I had to leave, you know, and it's, it was difficult, but you can't, you know, you can't, you know, you have to be a little bit selfish in life sometimes. And you have to realize that, you know, if you're loving an addict for the rest of your life, the rest of your life is going to be hell. So you have to decide what's more important at the end of the day, if you are the partner and where there's an addict, there's an enabler. 
you know, or there's an addict, there's an enabler. So, you know, but the functional, the functional addict is definitely tricky. Um, I love working with functional addicts and I have a special program that I started about a year ago specifically. Yes. We want to hear about this. We want to hear about this. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So basically I kept getting, you know, couples coming in where it was usually the wife dragging the husband in who did something really terrible because of addiction. Okay. Whether it was sleeping with another woman, whether it was, you know, got a DUI or got arrested or the kids found the bag of Coke or what, you know, whatever. So the wife threatens the husband, you know, you're going to go to therapy, couples therapy with me. And they think it's a couple's issue. And a lot of times the couple, the person who's the addict tries to blame everything on the spouse and they try to switch it up, you know, during the session. And I have to say to them, okay, listen, it sounds like we have two different things going on here. We have couples issues for sure, but we can't really work on the couples issue until your, you know, addiction issue is addressed. Where can you go in a couple's relationship when someone's using something? You can't. So I give, I give the couples like some choices and I'll say, okay, look, I'm not doing couples therapy with you because it won't work. And it'll be a waste of time and money. So my proposal to you is let's work with the addict. Once I get the addict, you know, cleaned up and moving forward, then we can bring you in for couples therapy. And when I, I was seeing this same scenario over and over and over and over again. And what I was doing for a while is I was hooking up the addict with a program, you know, maybe an inpatient, maybe outpatient. And, and then I would see them do- with that at the same time, or I would say, go do the program and come to me after, because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, not equipped to, to give you what you need. And a lot of my clients were saying like, you know, if I go to rehab, I won't be able to go to work and I won't be able to afford, you know, anything. And I, you know, or my insurance doesn't cover it, or I don't have insurance. And I was hearing this over and over again. And, and they kept asking me, is there anything you can do? And at first I was saying, no, there's really not. I mean, if you want to pay my fee five days a week, you're welcome. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. but I, you know, so after one of my um, longtime clients came to me who I'd done some really good work with, and he told me that he had seen online this program that was like, you know, a fortune and it was for like male addicts and, he wanted me to take a look at it and I took a look at it and I didn't like what I saw. Um, What did you say? Just curious. I can't remember the name of it, but it was like people who, you know, really have no clinical background at all charging a a shit ton of money. The coaches. I love all these coaches. It was a coach situation. They are. And I don't know if it was, I don't remember, but it was an absorbent amount of money and it was, it was all online. And I just said, look, this is just a robotic program and they take your money and, you know, you can get something out of it probably if you want to, but I could do it for way cheaper. I know you, you've been my client for how many years I know you. And if you agree to do this on a trial basis, like I'll even charge you less and let's just give it a shot and see how it works. So I designed a program where I send assignments via um, email, text, video, whatever to the client. And I'm in contact with the client like every day and I have them using video or audio file. Or if they now, really this, is write, the, this is the addict or the loved one of the addict? This is, this the, is addict. the addict. The loved right. one's out of it. Okay, right, right. Okay, because we got to fix the addict first before we can yes. get right. Okay. Oh, yeah. 
So we're, so we are working with the addicts. So they get, um, you know, all these different assignments, kind of what, like what you would get in a, in any rehab. Um, and you're just interacting with me one-on-one and I choose the issues specifically according to the client. So every client doesn't get the same program. They might mm. get some of the same things, but as I get to know the client and I see, oh, you know, your father's death is a big thing here. We're going to do like three or four, you know, assignments just on your father's death. And then we get a session, uh, a one-on-one session every week along with that. And it's 60 days and it's a lot of work. And, but they don't have to go into a rehab. They don't have to, they don't even have to leave their house if they don't want to. And I really started this during COVID because, you know, the, you, people weren't seeing, going anywhere in person anyway. So I figured, right. let me just give this a try and see if it works. And it worked. He did really, really well. And then I started just selling it to other clients. I'm like, you know, I don't push it, but I just say, look, I have this thing. This is what it costs. This is what it is. Um, and people keep doing it and they're, I'm, we're getting incredible results, but they're all functioning. And I yeah. think there's a difference between functioning and non-functioning. Well, yeah. I mean, the non-function, the non-functioning alcoholic, um, would not work in my program. Okay. Yeah. Well, for, first of all, they probably have to, you know, go away for 60 days and get detoxed. And, yes. And, and um, yeah just be put out of their element, you know, because that's such a big part of it. So the functioning alcoholic, I could see, you know, it's sort of like, um, one-on-one sober coaching, which is, you could call it that, which is big now. And, you know, there's sober coaching everywhere, but this is, this is where it's dangerous. The sober coaching, anybody, I, I could put on my business card that I'm a sober coach. Mm -hmm. Okay. And like you saw the way I just treated my producer. Like I'm still a fucked up chick. You know what I mean? I'm still fucked up. I'm sober, but my mind isn't, isn't, isn't there at all. Well, it's there. So, but... Everybody and their brother these days are sober coaches and it pisses me off because it's really fucking dangerous, you know, because you're projecting is sick people Two sickies. Don't make a welly. That's a, that's well, an old that's, AA that's term. That's a good way of thinking it. And, and, you know, you good therapists, um, you know, and good, good program education programs. We do so much boundary work. And I did a year of training the therapist as the self. Mm -hmm. So I went to somebody for a year who was a supervisor and she like, that's all we did was talk about how my issues interact with my clients to make sure that they don't. So you need a lot of your therapist needs to be, you know, I'm still human and I'm fucked up in my own ways. Okay. I'm not, right. I'm not, yeah. you know, by any stretch of the imagination, you know, uh, have it all together, but I am well-trained and I am experienced and it does make a big difference. If somebody wants to get therapy and they're not sure how they know or where, like, I mean, I found my therapist actually through the app next door. I was okay. like, I need a good therapist. Da, da, da. And like, I got so many results. And because like five people recommended this woman, I was like, well, five people are recommending her. And then I looked into her and everything. And I saw she was into my kind of thing, which is like woo woo and energy okay. work and, okay. you know, all the spiritual blah, 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 mm -hmm. uh, crystals, Tibetan singing bowls, all the stuff I love. So, I mean, I got lucky, but you know, 
I, I had a therapist. When I tell you this story, you're going to freaking die. Okay. Like this was years ago. And this therapist, she's like the therapist's therapist, like other therapists go to see her. Okay. So she had an impeccable reputation. This, this woman freaking screwed me up. Like really? I was, I was getting married and I knew I didn't want to marry this guy. I knew I didn't want to. And, um, I just knew it wasn't right, you okay. know? And her advice to me, because like my mother wanted me to, I, I was three months pregnant, whatever, you know? And she was said to me, she's like, well, I feel like you need to follow through with the wedding. And you know what? You go to the wedding. So it looks like a wedding, but you don't have to file the paperwork. What? So you're not married. Just do the wedding and don't file the paperwork. I'm like, that is he's never going to do that. He wants to file the paperwork. Like, she was so adamant about me going through this wedding just to make for, for looks sake for, you know, just so everybody, everything could look great and to make my mother happy. But that's so fucked up. That's fucked up. And that's then we fucked up. I'm sorry yeah, that that happened. And then she's like, oh, and then you could, you know, oh, there's always divorce. But I think this you need to follow through with this wedding. And, wow. you know, like I just really needed somebody to guide me with what what my soul was telling me, which was that's right. This is, you know, this someone to give you permission that it's OK to not to be in alignment with yourself and not do things to make other people happy. Alignment with yourself. I love that. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what you needed. But. Yeah. And that's, again, what would play into this rebellious idea. Again, I'm not saying that I'm out breaking the law rebellious, but I would never like that to me is the worst kind of like what you just, that's such bad therapy because she's pushing her agenda and what she thinks is right onto her client. And that's a big no, no. So bad. So, yeah. so many other things that, you know, like, I mean, I was married and miserable in this marriage. And I felt like I, you know, I felt like I was in the marriage because she encouraged the marriage and I just kept seeing her. Like, that's another thing. It's like a bad relationship with the therapist. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I just mm -hmm. kept going to see her and I just kept getting worse and worse and the worst advice. And I just knew, I guess the, I guess the, as far as a good therapist, bad therapist, you go, you see if there's chemistry yeah. and just really, you know, we talk about the chakras. I talk about the chakras and I talk <laughs> about energy and all that. And, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta go with, you know, your third eye and you have to follow your intuition. And I think your soul actually knows because the whole time yeah. my soul knew. And yes. the thing is, I'm so friggin' sick and I'm such a people pleaser mm -hmm. that it was like, well, I can't stop seeing her because I was people pleasing my therapist. That's right. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And she didn't that. have the insight or the interest in pointing that out either. So Again, there's not a lot of talent in my field. <laughs> um, there is some, uh, there are very few and far between. And the, 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 um, the profession itself is relationship building, right? So if you do not know how to build healthy relationships as a person, how are you going to do it in your therapy? It's going to be really difficult. Mm -hmm. It's going to be really difficult. You can, and I think also therapists need to be constantly working on themselves and growing because it's like, you know, if you go to a personal trainer, for example, do you want the personal trainer who's fat and out of shape? Or do you want the <laughs> personal trainer who's like ripped up? Right. 
Okay. So do you want to go to a therapist who continually, you know, grows and works on themselves and, and can take you with her or him, Mm -hmm. or do you want someone who's just stuck, you know, following the rule book? Yeah. Following the and the books by the books, by the books. I hate Mm -hmm. by the books. Every time I, I'd always know when I, when I was in rehab, I would always know which therapist was, really an addict and which one wasn't and which ones were just by the books, you know? I mean, and you don't, I don't feel like you have to be an addict to help another addict. No, Um, you don't. Yeah. I'm not sure anybody could really, really understand unless you are, but I've, I've had some, I've had some really good people help me that weren't, you know, addicts. So, Mm -hmm. um, I, I believe that, you know, the, what you said is if you're constantly just working on your own mental health and yourself. So that's something to look for when you're looking for a therapist. So mm-hmm. what you do, you do like online work. If somebody, a lot of our listeners are Canada, California, wherever they are, what if somebody wants to find Elizabeth and they want help with whether or not you also spoke about boundaries? I mean, you do relationship therapy. There's all different Mm-hmm. types of things that you cover. I mean, our audience basically is all about, you know, sobriety, but mm-hmm. what if someone wants to uh, find you? Where are we going to go? Very easy to find me. Um, actuation hyphen counseling.com is my business website. So actuation hyphen counseling.com I'm all over social media. So if you even, um, you know, actuation counseling on Facebook, Elizabeth Statlander on Facebook, you could just type my name into Google and I'll pop right up. Um, very, very available and easy to find. And, and yes, you just had a birthday too. I Happy did. birthday, my little Thank Sagittarius. You. Yes, 46. I was 46. It was a good birthday. Yeah, it looked like a good one online. And so you are fire, Sagittarius. That's fire. Oh fire. yeah, I'm fire. I've got fire. Um, yeah. I do have fire and I, um, I do really love being a therapist. It's I just, mm-hmm. it's such a blessing to be able to be a part of people's lives and really, um, impact change. And, um, and I think when it comes to addiction, it's always going to be there, you know, and, and it's, I think addiction is, we don't have a lot of options when it comes to addiction, you know, there's basically the AA 12 step program is the basic model that's used all over the world. And it works for some people and it doesn't work for others. But if you don't want to do that, or you want to do something different, you're kind of screwed. Like, where do you go? Um, or what do you do? And people get really frowned on if they don't want the 12 step program, which I don't think is fair either. You know, yeah, I'm I glad think, you know that. Yeah. yeah I think, it, you know, the mm-hmm. AANA program, it's, a, it's, it's, it's helped a lot of people. It's a belief system. That's what it is. It's a belief system. And there's not a lot of great, um, statistics that it even works, you know, because it's anonymous. So there's no real research done. We don't really know other than what AA and NA put out themselves, and, you know, a lot of people repeat it over and over and over again. So sometimes I wonder, like, you know, is it the, is it the, the addiction that, that is what it is, or is it the treatment or is it both? You know, I think about that. I have a lot of addicts in my family and I've, I've seen it all around me my whole life. And, um, 
you know, I, I don't have an answer to that, but I thought, why don't I try something different and just see what happens? Let's just see. I mean, yeah. what's going to happen if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I'll, you know, I'll give you your money back, you know, yeah. but <laughs> let's give yeah. this a try. And it's yeah. been really, really successful. And I think the one-on-one -on -one attention is really nice um, to have when you're trying to get sober. The group is also wonderful because group makes you, you know, kind of grow by hearing other people's stories and, and knowing you're not alone and bouncing around different ideas and stories with people is also wonderful. Yeah. But that one-on-one -on -one attention to really get to the root of your issues and what's really driving you, I think takes a one-on-one -on -one experience. Yeah. Because the, the alcohol and drugs is just the symptom. Correct. It's just the symptom. We, Correct. you know, dealing with the trauma and I always say, which came first, the chicken or the egg? I don't know. I don't know. You know? What, what came for? I, I I don't know. Like I I was I was an addict at five. I was acting out in other you know d different things, whether it was food like, or like, yeah. Okay, okay. It was just never had enough of anything. You know, nothing you was good just enough. alcohol or did you have like? No, I'm a full blown drug addict, man. You get I'm a garbage can. Yeah, <laughs> I've been through everything. I've been through everything. You know, um, and I've talked a lot about it on the podcast and. <sighs> Now I'm looking for, uh, I'm looking for, I'm up for this other big job. This I'm, I'm up for a big job I'm trying to get. Okay. And I'm like, God, they're going to listen to my podcast. They're not going to hire me, you know, because, but everybody knows, listen, here's the deal. I think it was like nine years ago, my mug shot. I, I had a big, huge radio job in Miami. Okay. And I was up for a new, I was up for another position. I was just about to start um, at a family station. And I got arrested for crack cocaine. Okay. And my friggin' mugshot was all over the internet, all over the news. It was everywhere. So to be honest with you, the reason why I speak out loud like this is because I would rather be known as a recovering addict than one that's using. I want to be remembered for this. You know, I just worked out. I worked out for an hour and a half with my trainer. I kicked ass, you know, meditated. Um, going to therapy. I do TMS therapy. Um, okay. We had, did a whole thing about TMS. So I want to be known for that, not the mugshot. Right. So. Right. And I think, I mean, listen, I, I'm very inspired by people like you who um, can just be who they are. Yeah. Because life is so much better when you can just be real and just be who you are and take off those masks. And if people don't like it, you know, that's their problem. Because personally, I'd rather hire you than anyone else because you're real and I know what I'm dealing with, you know, yeah. and there's, there's no surprises. Um, but that is something, you know, listen, I were, I, I used to worry a lot about that too. Not that I, um, had a, you know, addiction issue like you did, but, um, I'm really outspoken a lot of times and, mm -hmm. you know, you wonder like, you know, um, is this going to affect me down the road? Is this going to, and then I think, well, you know what, who cares? Like who cares? Yeah. Yeah, Who cares? The, 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 the only thing that I need to protect is my, is my son. And he does get a little sure. embarrassed sometimes he won't let me like he had a big, huge, uh, band. His band was performing at this, uh, uh, club and there were all these people and I was so proud of him. And I, I couldn't wait to put that all over social media. He's like, mom, I don't, I don't want anyone to know you're my mommy. It's embarrassing. I'm like, Hunter, <laughs> 
Yeah, you weren't embarrassed when I was working in radio and you were a little kid and you got to meet Taylor Swift, you know, (laughs) whatever. But anyway, he'll grow out of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's fine. He's fine. So, all right, Elizabeth, listen, you've been a pleasure. Thank you. And you guys, listen, if you have someone in your life that needs help or if you're uh, struggling with relationships, boundaries, whatever it may be, you know, I think you got your girl right here. I I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Keep doing what you're doing, John. I love it. Thanks. We're going to continue sober exposure. Have a great week. You guys see it. Take care. Need more? Of course you do. The show's all about needing more. Go to my website at soberexposure.show or get stuck on my Instagram at soberexposure underscore podcast.